This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Saddle hunting for me has been a complete, and I hate even saying the word, uh, game changer for how I how I like to hunt. If you've been thinking about getting into the saddle, now is the exact perfect time to do it. You have the entire spring and summer to kind of dangle in the backyard and get prepared for the upcoming season, be able to practice all your shots, getting in and out of the tree, experiment with your different climbing options that you have uh, to lighten your load and be more mobile. If you're interested in getting hooked up and getting into a saddle, I would definitely be checking out Tethered. They have Two great saddles out. One is the new Phantom saddle, which is killer. It has a bunch of new comfort features that are built into it, as well as a Utila bridge to kind of help with lengthening and shortening the bridge to make sure you have the optimum comfort. And you can get the uh, the OG, as I like to refer to it, uh, that I've been doing my hunting out of the past couple of years, which is the, the Mantis saddle. I might also recommend the Predator platform, especially if you're transitioning from a tree stand to a saddle. It gives, just gives you that little bit a uh, sense of familiarity that you would have with a, a platform under your feet that you would have that would be similar to a uh, similar to a tree stand. And it made my transition a couple years ago really seamless from tree stand hunting to, to saddle hunting. So if you're interested in checking out more about saddle hunting in general, I would head over to tetherednation.com. Check out all their products. They have some killer YouTube videos. You will thank me later. The first thing I do in the morning before a hunt, before a scout, or just before getting ready for work is have my morning coffee, and I'm sure most of you out there listening are the same. Make sure you're filling your mug with Skull Brew Coffee, as it is the only coffee company that is both 2% for conservation certified and donates 10% of its profits to conservation organizations to help secure the future of our wild places. So head to SkullBrewCoffee.com and choose between three killer roasts of coffee and know that you are supporting conservation with every sip. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 180. Today I'm joined by my good buddy, Mr. Johnny Utah, and we're talking his turkey slam and more. So stay tuned.
All right, all right, all right. What is going on, people? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. It is now June. We are in the month of June. It's kind of crazy to think uh, that the summer is already here. Well, I guess summer hasn't officially happened. I think that's like the 21st if you're getting technical and going by the solstice. Um, but I look at the end of May, the first day of June, being kind of like the um, unofficial <clears throat> beginning of, of summer. So in my mind, summer is... Summer is here and roll, rolling along, which means velvet's popping, and it's time to start thinking about getting some cams out and stuff like that. I'll be doing that probably, hopefully next weekend. Uh, I'm gonna try to. Um, I'm gonna try to prioritize a couple water access pieces. Got the the kayak in. Everything's kind of set up. The only thing I don't have, which is critical to using a kayak, is is a paddle. So I have to rectify that this week. If I do that, then I'll um, then I'll be able to go put some water access. Uh, cameras out. There's a couple places I really kind of dropped the ball, if I'm being honest, because there's a couple places I wanted to hang some cameras that I told myself after I scouted them in the winter, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get in there before late spring and hang these cameras because it is so thick and gnarly. I was like, I do not want to be walking through this in the summer. I'll have to at some point to check them, like probably sometime in, you know, I don't know, September or something like that and, and look at them. Um, I was like, but I'm trying to minimize my in and out of this particular spot just because it's a bitch to get into number one and number two, um, it's going to be even more of a bitch with how thick everything is and how grown up everything is and just, and then add the bug factor and the hot factor into, and it just, it's going to make for kind of a mess. So I'm going to have to bear, uh, grin and bear it and go out and put those out. And so I'm hoping to be able to get my cameras out here probably in the next two to three weeks. I'm not going to commit to getting them all out in the next two weekends because i got some other things I need to do. But in my mind, as long as they're all out kind of by July 4th, that's kind of like my cutoff date. I like to have everything out by that time. Uh, That way I can let them soak for a little while and see what inventory I have uh, in the general area. I might change up my my approach a little bit this year. I I usually put out a fair, like a good many cameras, um, you know, across various pieces of public land. But I'm thinking about putting out fewer cameras early and then kind of deploying the rest of the herd um, later in the year. And when I say later in the year, I'm talking like after after they kind of make their shift, right? So, you know, um, you know, shift to like maybe scrape areas and stuff like that at the, like the beginning of October, and then just kind of letting them sit. Uh, or traditionally, you know, scrape areas, places that I found while I was scouting and stuff like that that I want to that I want to monitor. Um, I think I need to do a little bit better of uh, inventory setups on on public land, getting that inventory to know what bucks are in the what bucks are in the area. Um, and so I think that's something I might do. It'll do a couple things, save me some time putting cameras out and, uh, to have fewer places I need to go check, uh, which, which will be, uh, which, which will be nice. Uh, but also three kind of make me think a little harder about where, um, some of these inventory places may be and then make me think, you know, harder yet again, or might do my due diligence and really kind of setting things up over, over scrapes. Cause just truth be told in Pennsylvania, putting cameras on scrapes, I've not had a ton of really, really good success. Um, you know, and maybe, maybe in the past I set them over the wrong scrapes and, and, and stuff like that, which is, you know, uh, very possible. I know John and I've talked about this in the past cause John does a killer job of getting great scrape inventory. Jake Hofer from Exodus is the scrape King. Um, that dude gets killer, uh, killer images or all the Exodus guys do really over, over scrapes. And so I need to up my game when it comes to that, because I, you know, I, I feel like with the way I'm, I'm hunting now and hunting more scrape activity and primary scrapes and stuff like that, I've done it all based on freelance hunting, which I love. Um, but I could probably, 
become even more efficient and maybe um i don't want to dare say speak his name um as though i'm anywhere near his caliber but what andy may does really well in figuring out a deer and it's not necessarily scrape but it's just like he goes in with such a high level of confidence on certain deer and certain setups because he just has you know he, he knows a lot either about that deer that area or the both together um and so it's really trying to be you know more efficient in that regard that way if i do have a place where i kind of have a great deal of information about, I can make a strategic strike and then still be freelance hunting and stuff like that out, out, outside of those opportunities. But I think that's kind of going to be my game plan for cameras this year. Maybe I'll have my buddy Chad on and we'll talk about some of this, uh, uh, some of this camera stuff. But with that, um, you know, have a couple cool things I want to make mention of first. Um, if you haven't heard, or if you didn't listen to the past podcast, I announced I was going to be doing a beast mini series, uh, with Dan Enfault. Uh, we're going to do a handful of topics going to be probably somewhere in the range of three to five episodes um and they're all going to be listener uh listener questions that we're going to answer well you know it's not going to be me asking him questions it's going to be taking questions from you guys um i usually make a post every week uh asking for questions on specific topics this last week we uh, i asked for questions on wind and thermals got some great questions from you guys so that'll be the first session that dan and i'll do together and the kicker is is that if you submit a question for a topic then we're going to um we're going to randomly select one person who submitted a question and invite them on to be a guest with he and I on the actual podcast record. There's no obligation. If you submit a question and you get selected to come on the show, if you're not comfortable doing it, you don't have to. Uh, we just thought it'd be a nice way to kind of like, you know, you know, give back and, and have someone on. Maybe if they had, you know, wanted to ask Dan a question, haven't had an opportunity to in the past or, you know, hell, if they just wanted to be on a podcast, um, give them the opportunity to do that too. It's just, you know, we're coming up on, four years our four-year anniversary of this show and i just thought it might be something kind of cool to do to try to give back to you guys for all the support you've shown uh me in this show and then and then the uh the guests that we've had on as well so be sure to stay tuned to the to my instagram uh page and the hunting beast forum because that's where i will be laying out the uh questions or the topics for questions also quick update on the uh, trailer um that's coming along got the got the heat situation figured out I'm going to be putting a Dickin, uh, Dickinson heating uh, system in it. It's a small propane heater. It's mainly built for marine uh, use, so you know, on, on boats, cabins and boats. Um, it was a little pricier than I wanted it to be, um, but it just seemed like it was the best option. And it's one of those things that you know, if I ever decide to get something a little bit bigger and do this again, I can take it out and, and move it to that you know larger unit or whatever. And there was a few things that honestly, it's like I'm not going to skimp on on this build. Um, one is heat, um, you know, because nothing sucks more than being on a hunt and you know whatever your living situation is and constantly being cold. So I wanted to make sure I had the right kind of situation for that. And then the other part that I'm not going to skimp on is the power situation. So whatever the solar generator I end up choosing to uh, choosing to get. Um, those are the two areas I didn't want to, didn't want to skimp on. So that should be here this week. And then I'll start thinking about getting ready to install that. But finally knowing what heater I was going to use and this past weekend, I kind of got the bed situation figured out that really kind of allowed me to understand how and what space I'm kind of working with and how the rest of the build is going to kind of, is going to kind of play out. So the bed situation, I, I put two, a couple sections of E-Tracks in some two by fours. And uh, I made a little platform uh, that is removable with plywood on the top of it. And that'll kind of be my sleeping situation. It's elevated. I'm short enough that it'll it'll work for me across the back of the uh, trailer. And hopefully I'll have some videos coming out with all this. 
And then for Chad or whoever the, the, the partner in crime is for whatever trip, I actually put a set of E-Tracks in and then got an outdoor uh, hammock. And it runs from the back, uh, so the, the door's in the back. And then uh, a set of E-Tracks is uh, attached to the front of the trailer as well. And so it runs the entire length of the trailer. On the one side, you just clip the hammocks into those uh, sections of E-Tracks, and uh, it allows for someone to be able to sleep in the hammock. That way, when we're not using it, you pull it back and you can push it back underneath my bed and then the entire center is kind of open. So now that I have the sleeping situation figured out and I know what the heating situation is and I know where the heat needs to go, I can now figure out where I'm going to put a few other things. Not that there's a ton of room, but mainly just, you know, where I'm going to put, um, you know, a counter or something like that to where we can lay things to charge and, and, and so forth. Cause I have an idea of where I want to run, run the power. And then the last thing that really happened this week was I got the notification that my Iowa buck is shipped and he should be here on Wednesday and I have yet to figure out where I'm going to put him. So I probably need to start thinking, uh, thinking about that, but super stoked to get him. Uh, old barn taxidermy sent me some pictures, uh, of him once they got him, got him mounted and he looks killer. They do, they do a great job. So if you're out in the, out in the Midwest, uh, near old barn, I would definitely look those guys up to do any of your, any of your taxidermy work. But with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into the show today. I got my brother from another mother on, Mr. Johnny Utah. It's been a month or so since he's had a chance to come on. Uh, he recently wrapped up, or I shouldn't say recently, um, a few weeks ago now he's wrapped up his uh, his, his his turkey hunting, um, and he performed the uh, the slam with a, with a bow this year, and that's what we're going to talk about. You know, it's it was a little bit challenging in the in the midst of some of the travel restrictions and stuff like that. But the killer thing was, it was like, you know, some people will do it in a calendar year, right? John did this, you know, all species in a matter of 42 days, um, all with a bow, which is uh, super crazy, super impressive. And uh, he has a video on his YouTube channel, on the Arrow Wild YouTube channel, uh, documenting the whole thing. Um, so I would definitely go check that out with. So with that, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the show. And as always, thank you guys for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, take number 10. John and I are, I'm on the phone here with uh, Mr. John Utah Mulligan, my buddy from another mother. We are literally on like take number five of trying to record this podcast. We've had every possible technological malfunction we could possibly have, not excluding complete shutdown and craptacular fest of the computer equipment, which was the, the most recent one. So we're we're trying this one more time and trying to get trying to power through it. So what's going on, John? Hey, what's happening? Uh, it's to be expected sometimes with uh, electronics, you know? No yeah, big deal. I know, right, man? It's like we were saying before, it's like, you know, I've only done like 180 or something of these. You'd figure at this point have all the kinks worked out, but, you know, it's just not, yeah. in, the, just not in the cards. But, right, right. But, uh, man, you've had, you know, we'll just kind of jump, jump right into it, man, because, you know, I want to talk to you about your, your turkey hunt, man, because, you and I, I think the last time we talked was you had just gotten back from Florida or the last yep. time we podcasted, I guess I should say you had just gotten back from Florida. And I think, you know, even going as far back as whenever I was out in Iowa with you, uh, bow hunting this past year, if I'm not mistaken, I think you mentioned, we were starting talking a little bit about turkey hunting. You were like, I think I'm going to try to do the slam this year with a bow. And I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, of course I think you can get it done because you're really good at hunting turkeys. I, on the other hand, suck terribly at it. Um, but if anyone could get it done, you could, but I know your travel schedule is always kind of crazy in the spring with client work and photo work and video work and stuff like that. And I was just like, man, 
I'm not sure how he's going to get it done in that amount of time with all the work that he has going on, but you've managed to pull it off, man. So congratulations. And uh, no one's more deserving than you. And I want to kind of hear how everything kind of played out. So why don't you start with like the recap, the the Florida hunt, and let's just go state by state. Yeah. So um, right out of the gate, Florida would be the first season that would open up. And what my tentative schedule was to go to Florida and then hit um, Nebraska to, and if you go far enough west, then you can get into some Miriams and some Rios. And then I would come back to Iowa for kind of a homecoming and shoot uh, in Eastern here, or I would go down to Kentucky uh, to the farm that I usually hunt at and, uh, and, and do it there. So either way would have been fine for me. They both would have been considered homecomings, right? Right. Um, so I get started, head down to Florida. I was down there with uh, my buddy Tevis McCulley, Whitetail Heaven Outfitters. He had contracted me to come down for the week to do photos of their clients um, in and around camp and as they were shooting birds and stuff. And he made me. And if you get some free time, you can sneak away. Um, so the first day I went out, I was super jacked up. And I snuck away to a piece that no one else was hunting. And I, and I let all of the clients pick their spots first and whatever was left over is, you know, what I got to pick from. And, and, um, uh, you know, obviously they weren't sending a guide with me or anything like that, but, um, I go out and I'm settled in. Things are looking, feeling pretty good. I get a text message from Tavis and he's like, Hey, one of the clients killed one. I need you back to camp to take photos. So that kind of ended that, you know, that hunt the next day. I thought I'm not even going to try to go out in the morning because somebody's going to shoot one and you know, it'll skunk another hunt. I'm just going to wait till midday till everybody comes back for lunch and do whatever it is they do, go fishing or, or eat a lunch or take a nap or something. And then I'll head out for a couple hours. That's what I did. And, and I went to a, I went to kind of a city piece where it was like a small parcel piece that he had access to. And, um, it felt a little weird, you know, cause at the end of the day, you're not very far from town, but, um, spotted a couple of birds. They came walking down this flag lot and they walked right into the property that, that I had access and permission to hunt and came to full draw and, uh, was able to, to shoot one there. So, you know, mission accomplished, uh, first bird done, but it's so, so early in the year. So by the time I came back to Iowa, I was just kind of like twiddling my thumbs. <laughs> right. What was the, what was the date? I can't remember the date of that. That was in March 23rd, March 23rd. And I know what you're saying about yep. those small lots, man. Cause I know, I mean, you know, this as well as that uh-huh. on a fair amount of like for deer, at least, you know, like suburban kind of, you know, areas and stuff like that, some small lots and stuff like that. And it took me a, a little while to get used to just like, if like, you're right. It felt weird walking in where you're like, I can see somebody's house from here. You know what I mean? Like I don't feel like I'm hunting because I don't feel like I'm completely like isolated out into the timber somewhere. It's like, you know, I can hear the semis Jake break going off. You know, I can hear, I can hear some kids over here on a swing set. You know what I mean? It's just, it did take a little bit, a little bit to get used to. That's for sure. Definitely. Yeah. It's super, super weird. You know, it felt, it felt really odd, but, um, yeah, I get, uh, shoot that bird on the 23rd. And then I was there through like the 26th or something, 27th, I think it was. And I was, uh, I was getting ready to leave. It was like 
36 or 48 hours away from the time I was going to leave. And then my flight gets canceled and I rebooked a new flight and then that flight got canceled. And so I, I went to Tevis and I said, look, man, stuff is shutting down slowly, but surely I'm going to leave a day early. I mean, it's a day cheaper for you, but I'm going to leave a day early just because I don't want to get stuck down here, you know? And, um, so I ended up finding a flight. I flew out of there and I had to, I had to leave my bird there, which I knew they would, somebody would be driving, you know, back to Kentucky at least. Um, so that was all taken care of. So I get back to Iowa and just, you know, twiddling my thumbs, kind of waiting for the season to open up here. Finally, the season opens up here, I believe, like on the 18th or something like that mm-hmm. um, of April. So finally, I get after them. It's snowing like crazy. And uh, I mean, it was it was nuts, man. I mean, every day going out 30 degrees outside, 29 degrees in the mornings, crunching snow and it just doesn't even feel like turkey season really. Right. But, um, I went eight straight days, morning and evening and every single sit, except for one, I had a gobbler strutter come in to 60, 70 yards and hang up. Hmm. And, um, I call it short committing. You know, these birds were short committing. They, they, they had walked 400 yards to come to me and they just weren't coming any closer, you know? Yeah. And so I'm talking about getting frustrated. And I, and I talked to a buddy of mine, Sean Lutchell at Heartland Bowhunter, and he was seeing the same thing down in Missouri that I was seeing. And I just, we were both scratching our head going, what the heck? You know, like they're supposed to run into the decoys. That's what they do. <laughs> Easterns come in and <laughs> fight the decoys, you know, but it wasn't happening. So, um, and during this time frame, also Nebraska had made the announcement that they were canceling uh, non-resident hunting. If you already had a tag, you were good. But an over-the-counter, I felt no need to pre-buy the tag until I was like on my way there. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. Um, so I didn't have a tag purchased already, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and then Kentucky cancels. So I'm like, well, Kentucky's not a possibility. So it's, you know, what am I going to do here? And my wife, she goes, look, I get it. You opened your big mouth and you said on multiple podcasts that you were going to kill all four birds with a bow this year. But, you know, pandemic, coronavirus, I think you can get off the hook. Like, I don't (laughs) think anybody will call you a quitter, you know? Right. And I'm like, damn it, if there's a will, there's a way. (laughs) And uh, I had a buddy uh, down in Texas, and his father-in-law has a big cattle ranch. And and he says, man, we got birds down here. Um, I mean, I can't tell you exactly where they're at, but I know that I've seen some birds. So no guarantees, but if you want to give it a shot, you can come down here. So I checked Texas. You could get a tag. I drive 12 and a half hours to Texas, drove all day. I made it to his house just in time to eat dinner and go to bed, woke up the next morning. And, um, as I was staking the second decoy in the ground, I hear a bird erupt right over top of us in the tree right next to us. And typically for me, that's a bad situation right? because, um, if they pitch down, it might be too dark to see, or they're picking up some movement and they're going to pitch down the other way. So I was looking at on X 
And if they pitched down the other way, they were going to have to fly for like a quarter or to a half mile to get to the next pasture, you know? Right. And I thought, you know what? This might be the only field that they can come into. So I just sat there real quiet, didn't make a lot of noise, waited until I had good video light. And then I started, you know, yelping a little bit, throwing some tree yelps. And it didn't take long. Um, the bird pitched down overhead, actually uh, three birds pitched down overhead and came right into the decoy spread, and I shot shot one of them. And I'm thinking, all right, now, that's two birds. I got the Osceola, I got a Rio. This is pretty friggin' awesome, you know what I mean? Like, and this was on April 25th, and, I, and I'm thinking, there's a chance. I, I actually might be able to pull this off. So the ace up my sleeve was I knew that a buddy of mine was going to South Dakota. And he was going to be out there hunting a little bit and there might be some intel to gain from, you know, from him already. So on my way back from Texas to Iowa, I called him and I said, are you still going to South Dakota? And he said, yep. And I said, States, it's still open. Everything's good. He's like, I don't know. I already have my tag, but you're going to want to check. So I'm driving down the highway and I'm on the phone with South Dakota game and fish. And they're like, yeah, we still have, public land tags available in the Black Hills unit. So I went ahead and grabbed a tag and um, I tell my buddy, like, what day are you guys going? And he had moved the trip up a little bit. So ultimately what it meant is I came back from Texas. I was home for like two or three days and then boom, back on the road again to South Dakota. Um, I go there and go into a piece of public we had scouted birds the night that I got there, put a few to bed, went out the next morning, heard a ton of birds, but didn't have any gobblers come in. And so for the afternoon set, I was like, look, I know there's a bunch of gobblers in that area. I'm just going back and I'm just going to kind of whitetail hunt them. I'm going to sit there really, really quiet and see what happens. About 1.45, 2 o'clock or so, um, I let out just a couple of really, really soft yelps. And I had a gobbler answer me. Um, and I, you know, I'm like, well, I'll just put my call down and see what happens. About five minutes later, I had four, four gobblers coming in, surrounding my set, uh, coming to mess with my decoys. And the bird that I shot was the only one that didn't commit. He hung out and I ended up shooting him at 44 yards, but he had the whitest tips, you know, and the best beard. So that was the one that I wanted and I shot, shot him and, and, um, I had to go, had to do a little track job on him. Yeah. He didn't die right away. Um, he was messed up pretty bad and, and I had to sneak out of the blind and, and try to put a little stalk on him, uh, when he got into the, into the pines and put another, another arrow in him. And, um, so now, as you can imagine, like this was May 1st and I'm thinking, I've got 18 days to come back to Iowa and get it done. You know, right. Um, I have a legitimate chance of pulling this off. Um, that's, that's when things kind of got cool. Now by shooting that Miriam, what that actually did for me was that gave me my grand slam with a bow, um, in a year, right? Because last year on May 2nd, I had shot an Eastern in Kentucky with my bow. 
So inside of one year, I had my Grand Slam, which I thought that was a pretty cool accomplishment. Heck yeah. And um, But I'm thinking I can do better. I can do it in one season. So I'm cruising back to Iowa uh, the next day. I took in some sites, went to Mount Rushmore, and went to Crazy Horse and that kind of stuff. But um, I'm driving back to Iowa, and I, I call a buddy of mine, a guy you know as well, Billy C., and Billy does a lot of filming for me from time to time. And, and, um, I'm calling him and we're, you know, we're kind of, uh, via the phone high-fiving and, um, and he's like, he's like, man, when'd you leave? And I'm like, oh, I didn't really, I didn't get on the road till about one o'clock. He's like, dude, that puts you at home at like three thirty or four in the morning. I'm like, yeah, you're right. He's like, I know your dog tired. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> and so he's like, I tell you what, he's like, man, my house, you know, is like two and a half, three hours from your house. You literally have to drive past my exit, you know, to get, to get home. Why don't you just stop and crash on the couch? You know, you can always grab a couch here. So I was like, you know what? I think I'll take you up on that. Cause I am tired and there's no sense in, trying to drive all through the night and be stupid about it, you know? Right. Um, so I, we get off the phone, I call, call Kelly and I said, I'm going to just stop at Billy's and stay the night and then I'll get up in the morning and, and head on the rest of the way. So she's like, good call. I make it to Billy's and, uh, he's already got the couch ready for me. And he's like, Hey, I was, I was thinking <laughs> you already have all your hunting gear here and you have your bow with you. Um, if you wanted to, we could get up in the morning and head out to one of my farms. I haven't been there in like two weeks. I have no idea what the situation is for turkeys, but it's worth a shot. And, and you're here. So I'm like, okay. So I lay my head down, set my alarm for like three hours, wake back up. We get up and we drive to one of his farms and we head into the timber and we've got a bird goblin as we're walking in. Jeez. And so I'm just, I'm like freaking out, you know, right. I'm thinking, holy crap. Um, Strutter comes in and short commits. I'm like these damn Iowa birds, like what is the deal? Like this is, they've been doing this to me before I went to Texas and they're still doing it. Like this is, this is dumb, but that bird never truly left. And then he did like a drive by. He walked behind the blind, no strut he was kind of be, like playing it cool. You know what I mean? Like right, he was right. fashionably late to the party. Like he acting like he's been there. So he cruises on for a little while. Then he ends up working up the courage to finally strut in and come all the way into the decoy spread and, and come into a shooting lane window that I had. And, uh, Billy's running the camera. We had GoPro footage and I shoot this bird and it just, I carumba just pummels him. You know what I mean? Like, right. He he does like two forward flips and that's it done. Never moves another feather, you know. Um, so at, and, that, at that point, I mean, man, I was almost in tears. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like at that point, like you, you, like what was uh, like? I mean, I'm sure you were just pumped at first. It's like the initial is like sweet a bird. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you know, yeah, it's like like you would if it was like the first one you killed that year. You know what I mean? Like yeah, awesome. yeah. I mean, and then like, yeah, when I'm it just, finally hit you that you like you're like, holy shit, I actually pulled it off. Like, what was the, what was the thought then? Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. 
If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, so I stood up because I had to stand up to shoot. Um, The bird still didn't totally commit where I needed him to. And we had another window open, but it was about 12 inches higher than my window. So I, when I drew, I ended up just kind of standing all in one motion and, you know, setting the pin on him and shooting this bird. So I was already standing and I just dropped my bow. <laughs> and when I saw the bird flop over and not move again, and I looked at Billy and I was like, crap, like that's done. <laughs> we just pulled this off, you know, and, um, it was May 3rd on that one. So, you know, from April 25th to May 3rd, that was three, three birds in three States in three days of hunting. That's and, crazy. um, the rest of the, the rest was drive time, you know? Um, and that's, like I said, I thought that it would be a pretty cool feat to do. And it wasn't until I got really into it that I'm like, Oh my gosh, this actually might happen. I mean, you know, it's kind of like every time you go to shoot a basketball, as soon as you release it, you're like, Toby, right. you don't know if it's going in or not, but if it does, it's going to, you're going to look like a badass. You right, know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So like, I'm like, holy crap, I actually did it, you know? Um, so that was pretty neat. And, and, um, and again, it was cool because I had done so much solo hunting, you know, and self filming on a lot of these hunts. Um, but at the same time, like I got to hang out with the white tail heaven guys on the first one. And then I got to hang out with my buddy Ward from musket powder in Texas. And then I got to hang out with Wade and his, his family, uh, from Gator outdoors. It's an online store. I got to hang out with those guys for a little bit in South Dakota. And then I come back the homecoming in Iowa and I hang out with Billy and you know Billy and I, we've hunted together a lot the last couple of years and he's run a camera for me a lot. Dude, Billy's a lot got of video like, work. He's like, he's like your horseshoe dude. Like that guy. He is. <laughs> well, I told him, I said, look, I go, you and I get together in the woods, like shit, shit dies. It does. You know, like it's pretty crazy. We did the math on it. Um, we have a, there's a 29% chance every time we go into the woods that something gets killed. That's crazy, man. Cause he was filming. Those are pretty good odds. Those are great odds, man. Like he was, filming, yeah. he was filming whenever you, uh, had that crazy rut day. And what was it? 29, 2018, uh, 2018. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. December 8th. Yep. I he think, was running the camera was. that day. And I'm sorry, um, uh, not December 8th, the November 8th. Was it November 8th? Is that what it was? November 8th. Yeah. Yep. Yep. November 8th. So, yep. um, yeah. That was a great hunt. So yeah, it's just it, crazy stuff happens, you know, like a bird, the same bird comes in three times, Yeah, you know, shoot him on the third time. It's like, ah, oh, third time's a charm. I mean, it's just, there's so many like crazy little phrases and one liners that come out of it whenever we get together and do stuff. But, um, yeah, that, that was pretty amazing, man. And, um, so I, I called Kelly and I was like, well, I got up this morning and I went hunting with Billy She's like, good God, like you have to sleep at some point. And I'm like, I know. I'm like, we had a bird that came in at seven, just short committed, 
I was like, then he came in again at 7.30, nothing. I was like, then he came back in again at 8 o'clock, and she's like, good Lord, what happened to your good luck? I'm like, well, I, I shot him. So <laughs> she's like, you jerk. But um, so she's like, it is time to come home. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, so that was it was a fun drive to come back home. It felt like it took me 10 hours to get home. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of people that pulled off the Grand Slam. Uh, not as many people have done it in a single year. Not as many people have done it with a bow, all four birds with a bow. And then not as many people, to my knowledge, have ever done it in a pandemic year where states were closing <laughs> down and you couldn't go to certain states. I mean, right. I would venture to say, like, if you took all the Grand Slams that are on the record books, 70% of them involve at least one of the birds coming from Nebraska. Right. Um, if not two, um, now if you talk to the purist, they will say that Nebraska doesn't have real Miriams and real Rios. They're all hybrid birds that look like Miriams or they look like Rios. Right. And I mean, I'm not doing genealogy and I'm not doing DNA testing on birds, but, um, you know, no one can argue that a Texas Rio and a Black Hill, South Dakota Miriam isn't a legitimate birthright bird you know right. so um so that i mean that kind of adds a little something special to it as well for me and um there's a, a friend of mine a guy adam bender in the in nebraska and a guy that i look up to a lot he's a he's a turkey purist you know and adam he called me and said bro telling you right now nobody can say shit about your birds you know, right. like you killed four legitimate species of birds. He's like, good job. And that meant a lot, you know, getting some accolades from, you know, colleagues or people that, you know, you look up to in the hunting community. Yeah, for sure, man. And it's, and well-deserved, man. It's, I mean, you were hustling, dude. I mean, you did that. It was, you know, you did it all in 42 days, I think is what yeah, it was. Yeah, right? so it was four, yeah, 42 calendar days and 13 hunting days. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, that's insane. Like and just yeah. with all the travel time and stuff in between and all that, I mean, it's just mm -hmm. like you had to have slept like the dead when you got home. Oh man. It was like 14, 15 hours. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Oh, uh, it was, it was amazing sleep. But, uh, and you know, now I've had a chance to take all the birds, actually all the birds, but one this weekend, I'm going down to Kentucky to pick up the Osceola, uh, from the freezer down there. But, um, the rest of the birds have all made their way over to Old Barn, nice. and we've already started planning uh, planning the, the special mount that I'm going to do, and and I'm really excited about uh, this doing this style of mount. So nice. I think it's going to be a nice way to display these birds and and uh, be a good remembrance. You know what I mean yeah. of of this feat this year, and you know I put out the episode on on the Arrow Wild YouTube channel. Yeah, I was going to say, man, people um, need to check that out because that's, that's badass, dude. Like, that's a great, great film. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a ton of fun to, to release that. And I had one guy, one guy, um, I forget this guy's name. Now, I want to say Bart. His last name was Williamson. Um, I'll have to call him out here. He's like, uh, he left a comment on there. <laughs> he, he goes, Oh, looks like you went and got a bunch of birds killed 
uh, and everybody did all the work for you, and you went on a bunch of canned hunts. Congratulations. Man. And I was like, wow. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah. Whatever. I was like, you got me, bud. They were all high fence birds. Yeah. You got me. Well, not only that, it's like you'll see that same the guy's name on post come deer season when people kill decent deer saying high fence deer. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, man, that just, whatever, man. I don't even want to talk about that guy. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and it cracks me up too, because I, um, every time I see that stuff, I always think of, um, Oh, what is that? Um, uh, there's always that meme that floats around and it's like, it looks like it's from the eighties. Some guys at a, at an old PC, and he's like, hey, mom, bring me another hot pocket. I'm being a <laughs> yeah. badass on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Oh, uh, man. But, you know, like, hey, for all I know, this guy, he might be a turkey slayer. He might have done the slam and uh, with a with a wrist rocket right, in yeah. seven days or something. I don't know. I mean, yeah. he might be a total killer. But I'm like, really, dude? Yeah. Like, None of those were canned hunts. I self-filmed two of the hunts. Yes, I did hunt with an outfitter, but without a guide on a piece of private ground, and no one else killed a bird on that private property all season. Well, not only that, but you'd never been there before. <laughs> no. You know no. what I mean? Like, when you're walking into a piece of pro- – like, I don't care if you're walking into a piece of property blind – you're a piece of private property. If you're going in blind – and you don't, and you've never been there before. I mean, it could be Mars, you know yeah. what I mean? Like for as much information as you have about it, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. Like when you're deer hunting, man, it's like, if you're walking yep. in on a piece of property and you know, diddly squat about it, you know what I mean? Like literally like just ne- haven't ever been there and you walk in and are, are able to figure, figure stuff out and, and fill a tag. It's like, man, good on you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, I mean, that's the same as like. It's, to me, it's kind of the same as hunting public. Cause, I mean, you have the same amount of information about it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, yeah, that's, um, yes. Yeah, so I don't know, man. That stuff, that stuff chaps my ass, man. It, you know, when it does. It does. Kind of and you know, like I wrote him back and I said, Hey man, you know, I, I self filmed two of these hunts. Uh, Gator Outdoors, um, is not an outfitter. It's an online retail store. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he had never hunted there either. He just lend me a couch to crash on. Um, I was like, you know, in Iowa, that was a private farm that no one had been on in two weeks. Nobody had any intel about that property. And, um, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a guide handhold me in Florida and, um, in Texas, I hunted a cattle pasture. I mean, right. you know, like what the heck? This is, this is ludicrous. You know what I mean? Now I did think that Ward had a little more Intel in Texas until after I shot the bird. And then I like saw the color come back into his face and I'm like, dude, I don't know who's more jacked me or you. And he goes, bro, I've been literally like my stomach has been a mess ever since I knew you were coming because (laughs) I, you know, I really wanted you to get it done. But he's like, look, I, I, I knew that, that we had turkeys, but I didn't know where the turkeys were. It was right. like, it, it just, it worked out so good for us that we were able to get on birds right away. But yeah, so that was, that was cool. Um, to release that, release that episode. Um, uh, my buddy Wade James 
from Johnstown, you know, out there in PA. PA boy. Super talented yeah, videographer himself. And, um, you know, he's my editor of the show. I give him a lot of free reign. Um, you know, he knows my style and he puts it in my style, but he gets to, I give him a lot of leeway to do things the way he wants to do it. And, and he helps me with the storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, as well. And, um, he, he laid it out just beautifully. Like I couldn't have asked for anything better. And, um, the guys just got so much talent. So yeah, we were really, we're definitely really proud of that episode. It yeah. was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's killer. Everyone out there should go, go check it out, especially if you like turkey hunting. Like it's just, it's really well done. The footage is killer. You know, of course the story is, is killer. And of course you mentioned like the edits baller. Like he just does a great job yeah. putting, putting stuff together. What was the hardest part about this whole thing, man? Like what was the, what was the part like looking back on it where you're like, man, this was the part that really kind of sucked. <laughs> um, Texas and South Dakota. Yeah. Because like I said, Nebraska, I had been to once before. So I at least had a starting point. You know, I had put an eyes on, you know, on areas and I had spots marked on, you know, on, on X already. Right. Um, so when I knew that I couldn't go there, you know how it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, you talk to the neighbor and the neighbor's like, man, I saw this giant buck, you know, in this back pasture. And then you go sit, sit a tree stand in that area and you see the so-called giant buck and it's, you know, some 70 inch dinker or whatever. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, oh, geez. So like, go, you know, I was, I had to commit myself to drive 12 and a half hours by a $200 tag in Texas for something I had no idea what I was getting, getting myself into. And I was putting a lot of faith that there really was turkeys on this property. Um, same thing with South Dakota. Um, you know, that was 200 and something dollars and another 12 and a half hour drive each way and just not having any Intel solid Intel, you know what I mean? Um, it's nerve wracking. And I knew that I was in a time crunch. Um, I hate wasting time and I hate wasting money. Do you know what I'm saying? So I tried to, I think the way that I combated that was I went into each of those hunts as just telling myself like, Hey, never chased turkeys in Texas before. It'll be an adventure, you know, try to take it all in and learn something. Um, it wasn't until I made it back to Iowa that I actually started to really put pressure on myself where it was like, you know, okay, you're at the finish line. Let's, let's make this happen. You know? Right. Yeah. Well then at that point, cause it's like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you would expect or, you know, knowing you, your internal dialogue was probably like, Hey, like the three hardest ones to do were, were all the oddest yeah. ones. And I've already done those. Like I should yeah. be able to yeah. kill a bird in my home state. If I just, you know, put the time in, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I've got plenty of time to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and that's what I told myself. But as, as you know, sometimes those gimmies are the ones that you, you know, just doesn't work out. Dude, you know? Yeah. I mean, dude, for whitetails, man, it's like, I play hell trying to kill, kill bucks on public land around here. But it seems like if I go out of state, like it, it works out for me, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. and I don't yeah. know if it's like, you know, it's part of the reason why I, I transitioned to like just more freestyle hunting around here because like, I felt like I was, making bad choices. Cause I was getting hung up on like knowing pieces. I don't want to say too well, but like, 
having an idea of what should happen. And then I was not, uh-huh. I was going, I was a day late and a dollar short in a lot of those places because I thought like, Hey, it should be good. I'm sure. going to go here. And then I get there and like, there's no sign there or whatever, you know, just that kind of stuff to where, you know, I, I started just kind of maybe just hunting my home properties the same way as I hunt out of state properties. Um, but, yeah. which seemed at least last year, you know, I had much better encounters, but you know, I want to ask you, dude, cause you're talking about like some evening hunts. Like I typically have never hunted birds in the evening. Like I usually go out in the morning and like, if I don't, if I don't get any action in the morning again, like I am very much a fair weather Turkey hunter. Like I'll be the first one to say that. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, in your experience, like how good are, how good are the afternoons? Like how good are evening hunts? hundred percent. I, if I, if I laid out all the turkeys that I've killed over the years, um, I've only killed three in the morning hmm. and two of those three were this year. Wow. Um, the rest have all been in, in the afternoons. Now I, I won't count like the 10 AM. I won't count that as morning. I call that to me. That's just, that's midday. Right. Um, so if somebody said you can only, you can only hunt one time a day, I'm going to hunt, um, evenings Mm -hmm. and try to cut them off before they fly up. Mm -hmm. They're not as vocal. But if you can scout in the mornings, then you have an idea as to where they're going to come back to in the afternoons. Um, If I'm able to pick two sessions, it's going to be evening and it's going to be that late morning, midday. Really? Um, Especially as the season gets later because those hens go to nest and then those toms get lonely. And they start wandering around and they get lonelier and lonelier, (laughs) which means they get a little more dumb. You know what I mean? It's almost like they get rut dumb and, um, you'll hear them start firing off. So if I hear, I hear a gobbler at like 9am, 10am and he's just gobbling his brains out. I know he doesn't have a hen, right? Like he is actively looking for a hen bad. Um, those are the birds that you can usually get to cover some ground in a a very short period of time. Hmm. All right. That means I hate mornings. Really? Yeah. It just never works out for me in the mornings. It's it's one of those things. I, I guess probably because you know I'm a novice turkey hunter, right? It's like I, we've talked about this before. It's like I like to take the gun a walk and go out and hear some birds, and it's 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 fun. You know, I enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. I just like hearing them. So the mornings for me were always cool because like I get to hear gobbles. You know what I mean? And I'm probably sure. not patient enough if I have to work them more silently, if you will. Um, Yep. But given what you're saying, like, I feel like, I feel like I'm going to have to take advantage of some afternoons, um, here. Cause I don't know we'll drop this episode in like two ish weeks. So Turkey season mm-hmm. will be over, but as we sit here right now, I have one week left. And so I'll probably try to get out and, and, and do some evening hunts after work and stuff like that. If, uh, and see how, see how those treat, treat me. Cause I've never hunted birds beyond like noon is like the latest I've ever hunted turkeys. Sure. You know, so, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, now it gets to be 1130 noon and then I'm usually ready to pack it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just because that, I mean, that can make for some really, really long days. Oh yeah. Now, if you have the ability to sit and be quiet all day and not overcall, that's cool. Um, you know, that's tough to do. Just sometimes you'll call just out of sheer boredom, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> uh, it happens. I'm like, I just need to hear something. I need like proof of life. Like someone give me something. <laughs> right. Even if I scare like a squirrel <laughs> and make a move. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. But, uh, so with that, man, I think, uh, you know, let's go ahead and shift gears here. Cause I know like right after you did like, so you, you did all that traveling, right. And you're yep. out in the black Hills and you killed a bird. And then like the next week, what do I see? John jumping in the truck, driving back to the black Hills. <laughs> <laughs> so after a couple of days after the, you know, the Eastern, um, I'm cutting up footage and whatnot. I'm, I'm packaging footage up to send to Wade and, um, Billy calls me and he says, Hey, you got any interest in going out to the black Hills? And I was like, uh, yeah. I mean, I just came from there. And he's like, no, no, I mean like this weekend. I'm like what? I just came from there. <laughs> he's like, well, let's, let's go back. I'm like, like literally you're talking almost the exact same area where I just came from. And he's like, yeah. He's like, let's, let's go do some shit hunting. So I thought about it and I thought, man, I didn't get to take as many photos out there as I wanted to. Right. Um, and I do love it out there. It is gorgeous. So I said, ah, what the heck? You know, I'm not doing anything that can't wait a few days. So we drove out there. We, uh, it was like 53 miles in three and a half days. Uh, walking the mountains, nice. looking for, uh, looking for sheds. And, um, uh, Billy found a lot more white or uh, elk sheds than I did. I think he found eight, um, Browns, all, all, all of his sheds were all Browns. I think only one was like a, an, an older broken one. Um, but, uh, but I did come home with two matched sets. That's awesome. So that was pretty, pretty friggin' awesome. And he's like, all right, bro, we got to talk about something like, yeah, what's up? And he says, um, yeah, I've, I've been out here three times now looking for match sets and I've never found a match set before you come out here the first time and you don't find just one match set, but you find two match sets and you ended up with the biggest sheds of the trip, you know, out of all of us. And I said, okay. He's like, so is that horseshoe like in the small intestines or is it in the colon? Like where, how far up your ass did you shove that thing? <laughs> so, I was like, I think it's laying right next to the rabbit's foot somewhere right. in, the, in the colon. Right, but, right. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So was that, were you, I mean, are you planning to elk hunt out there or was that just kind of a, a, a trip? No. So South Dakota has no non-resident elk hunting. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't um, Yep. Yep. Uh, you can, you can non-resident whitetail, uh, any, any deer hunt. So muleys or whites, but, um, no, there's no, and then even if you're a resident, it's a draw state for an elk tag as well. Okay. So there's even no guarantees, uh, that you'll get to, you'll get to elk hunt as a resident out there, which is kind of a shame. Um, but, um, but so, um, for me, honestly, like, I, I've always said I won't go shed hunt something if it's not a deer that I or a ground or near a ground where I can find sheds to a deer that possibly I have access to that right. I could hunt, you know? Right. Um, it just, I love shed hunting, but I like to have the chase right. be a part of it, right? So, um, but. I kind of broke my own rule and I went out there because one, I wanted the exercise 
mm-hmm. um, you can train all you want, but do you know practice like you play? Like yeah. that's the real deal. Yeah. Um, even though I'm not going to be hunting in South Dakota, it would give me more experience in following elk sign. Yeah. And reading elk sign and seeing how they transition from draws to meadows to you know canyons and what slopes and how they're traversing and right. and that kind of stuff. And it was amazing how much how much I learned in three and a half days. Right. Like because I was really methodical about it. I was constantly looking at my onyx and I was dropping pins. And that's really where the the learn. I mean, there's a lot to learn in the moment but I've actually learned more that I've been at home. Yep. You know, it's like a commercial break during a TV show with the wife and kids. <laughs> yep. And I pull out on X and I'm going, okay, pin, pin, pin. Oh, I can totally see how they played that topography and yep. cruised up that South side facing slope. And, um, you know, it, there's just so much more you can learn, um, you know, from those aerials like that, but, yep. uh, it takes a little bit of time to dissect it to know what it is you're looking at. But once you kind of start to see the patterns, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty amazing. And, um, so I got to learn that, um, there's a couple of different dehydrated food companies that I'm starting to work with. They gave me a chance to, to go out and, um, beat my body up mm-hmm. and then eat those meals to see how much I like the taste. Right. And then if they would actually give me energy and refuel me, um, Nice. And so I got to check that off. Um, Peak Refuel, Heather's Choice, uh, F-Bomb. F-Bomb makes the best nut butters I've ever had in my life. Really? Uh, oh, my gosh. They're so good. They're addicting. If you're not careful, you'll just sit and eat, eat them like they're Snickers bars. I'm, but, um, I'm literally looking it up right now as we're talking. They're so, 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 so amazing. Um, I should have an affiliate link here to give out pretty soon. Um, right now for Heather's choice, if anybody uses the code arrow wild, um, no spaces, they'll get free shipping on anything they get from Heather's choice. Nice. But, um, yeah, it just super, super awesome stuff. So like I said, I got to do a lot of things, um, that I wanted to do that, you know, you can do all the research you want and you can think that you're prepared for something, but you know, I like that hands-on stuff. So it was, it was worth it for me. We had a blast, Billy and I, we always have a good time and, um, we got to bang out some stuff out there. We got a lot of photos done and, and we both shot some video. He'll be shooting some video for his show, Wild Streams TV. And I was shooting stuff for Arrow Wild TV. And, nice. um, so that was, that was just a, it was a freaking blast, bro. Nice. Man. Like I love the Black Hills. The Black Hills is awesome. I mean, come on, Rushmore, Crazy Horse, Deadwood, yeah. Custer, like all in the same spot. Yeah. It's one Neal place Highway. I've never been. And it's one of those places where it's like, it, it's earmarked as you need to, you need to make your way here. You know, just, yeah, I got to pass through, not exactly the black Hills, but when I was driving back from Montana, um, yeah. just that part of the country's ridiculous. And so yep. I need to, I need to get back there at some point. But well, it, and Sturgis is like, you know, right there. I mean, there's just, there's so much cool stuff out there. Like, I don't know. Let's, let's get it's, Harley's it's and go awesome. to Sturgis, man, and cause a ruckus. Yeah. Well, you know, Kelly and I are talking about taking the kids out for, um, like drive on a Friday, camp Saturday, Sunday, 
drive home on a Monday. Um, but we're talking about just going out there for a little camping weekend. That'd be awesome. Um, dude, talk mama in it, throw the little one in the truck and meet us out there. I could totally do that right now. Working from home. I'm trying to figure out ways I can take more advantage of that right now. Just given that I'm just at home all day working that I don't have to work in an office so I can yeah. kind of be wherever and, you know, do whatever I need to do, you know? So, yep. We're, we're going to try to go sometime in June or July. Nice. I might have to talk to, to mama bear and see if that we can't make that happen. Cause I got a camper too. Like Wilson's got a, yeah. Wilson's got a, well, I'm, I'm retrofitting or converting a, uh, you know, the, the, the trailer, but I mm-hmm. rest assured the wife is not going to, it's not going to be up to the wife's standards shall we say for her to, for her to want to stay in that any length of time. So, but Wilson has one and he already told me, he was like, Hey, this summer he's like, take it whenever you want it. You know, you can use it whenever. Sure. So I could commandeer that and make my way out, man. But you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm guessing dude, you're uh, getting ready to start to turn your, uh, turn your focus towards whitetails, right? Now that you're. Yeah. Home. Yeah. It's going to start shifting back. Um, you know, that was one thing I was able to do in between the Florida hunt and texas as i was able to get my food plots just up tilled up planted um clover is doing phenomenal out there it's been really really wet this year um so clover plots are coming in really really good i'm real happy um i've uh got a few cameras soaking got some mineral sites going and so stand kind of on the loop on that and um yeah, now now's like a little bit of downtime where I get to get some more stands up and uh, get some more camera planning done uh, where I want to start hanging some stuff, let some stuff soak for a little while. And June is a pretty busy month. I've got some photo shoots and, and I've got some stuff going on towards the end of the month. Uh, i got a little fly fishing weekend. and. Nice. Um, is that Montana supposed to go to Alabama and do a little catfish noodling with, uh, Miss Hannah Barron. Nice. So I got to get a hold of her. We got to get that planned in, but I've got a few, like I said, a few little weekend trips and a few little overnighters here and there. Um, and then I have to get a lot of this whitetail stuff done ahead of time this year because, once we roll into August and September, it's kind of Katie bar the door time. And I'm not going to have a lot of free time, right. uh, a lot of Western hunts and Canada hunts and stuff. Right. Yeah. I hear you. You're way ahead of me, man, on the, on the camera front and all that, all that jazz. I literally pulled my last, actually, I still have one camera out that I think I'm going to try to go get tomorrow. Um, still soaking yeah, for the winter. Well, yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause I had it out. Uh, it was in this little suburban spot that I'd never even hunted. And I think the last time I checked, it was like maybe like October 15th, something like that. Uh-huh. And I've never been back since. So, oh wow, yeah. So, and it's a, it was a brand new spot. Like I'd never hunted it before. I just, I kind of got turned on to it from a, a friend that, uh, a guy that Chad and I know it's one of Chad's friends. He used to live in the area that I live in. And he has since moved to Ohio like two years ago or whatever. So he was kind of dropping me some info of some places where he's been these small little like suburban lots that are kind of out of the way and people really, really wouldn't probably know about. And so yep. he gave me some of that intel. And so I went and hung some camera and cameras in some of those. And uh, 
by October 15th, I hadn't seen anything really on camera during the summer, which wasn't surprising because there wasn't like a dominant food source nearby. It's really probably more sure. of like a rut spot. And I was of course going to be out with you. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, I went to check it and there wasn't anything really worth talking about on it. So I just left it there. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's one of those places where a buck could kind of stay hidden for a while if he wanted to, and then pop out of nowhere, you know, during rut. Um, it'd be one of those kind of places. Cause I had, there was a ton of does in there. Like I, I mean, I had does walk up on me while I was, you know, checking the camera that day on the 15th, um, literally yeah. walk yeah. within like five yards of me. So, you know, there's t plenty of does in there and plenty of reason for bucks to be in there during the rut. So I think I'm going to try to pull that this, this weekend and see what's on that. And then otherwise my kayak is being delivered on Tuesday or on Monday. And so then really, I think next weekend will be a, uh, I'm going to kind of go hit all the water access pieces and hang camera on the water access pieces the following weekend. And then slowly, but surely start to get all my cameras out. So that's the oh, plan. for sure. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the plan for me. And then I just got everything confirmed today from a Missouri hunt. So officially it'll be Missouri and Ohio, uh, Missouri, the first week in November and Ohio, the second week in November. So, oh, okay. yeah, so that's the, uh, that's the plan on that front. And given that we're kind of, I'm working from home and stuff like that, man, I might be making my way out toward you to, I wasn't going to go out and scout at all. I was going to free freelance the whole, the whole hunt, but. Now, since I'm working from home and I can kind of work from wherever, I'm thinking of maybe making a quick trip out this summer and doing some scouting and uh, or like some scouting in the evenings, maybe early morning scouts and then um, early morning scouts and some evening scouts, you know, and to work during the work during the day, maybe make a long kind of weekend out of it. So might be headed yeah, out your way. Yeah. 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 Dude, come on. <laughs> you know it. I'll, dro I'll drop. Welcome by. anytime. But with that, man, let's. Uh, I think it's a good place to uh, to wrap it up. We got all of our turkey talk in. We started just touching a little bit on whitetails, and then from here on out, when we get together, it'll probably be western hunts and and whitetails for the uh, for the foreseeable future. And I think that'll be the next one. We'll have to start talking about your plans for out west. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. It's it's coming up. I, I you know I was earlier today. I mean, we were just chatting. I mean. May 22nd already. Yeah. Just. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like time is ticking off. Everybody says, oh, the older you get, time flies. And, and they're right. Like it's, um, I've just been, been running a million miles an hour. Things are finally starting to slow down a little bit with the bourbon barrel, the turkey calls. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's been nice. And, and, you know, it was actually a little bit of a needed break. Right. Um, so we've got all of our orders caught up. Everybody's got their calls. There was a ton of birds killed, you know, with, with them, you know, with my calls this year. And I'm, uh, that was super awesome. So yeah, wishing everybody continued success on that. And hopefully that'll continue to grow. And, um, yeah, spring was, spring was great. And, you know, you're starting to see a lot of people shoot some bears now, some stuff starting to open back up again. Yeah. So there's a lot of bear hunting going on and, um, it looks like total archery challenge is going to start rocking and rolling. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've kind of, uh, heard that through the grapevine. So that's, that's cool. Hopefully we'll get back to some, some normalcy. Here. Normal. Yeah. 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 Something. Normal stuff, man. I just, uh, this whole thing has just been so weird and, and no matter what 
everybody's opinions are on it. It's just, uh, it's very different and it's been a, a unique thing. Uh, I've tried to keep the news off, yeah. not pay attention to any of it and just do my thing. I'm kind of a germaphobe social distance person anyways. Right. So, um, I can just turn the news off and kind of forget about all of it. Yeah. I do a pretty good job of the same thing, man. I just I, yeah, I don't pay yeah. attention to it. And then, well, you cracked me up the other day. We were talking, you said something, you're like, my truck hasn't left my driveway <laughs> in like three and a half weeks. And I'm like, how's that even possible? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's you're what, like a damn hermit. I, oh dude, I am. Well, you know that I am, man. It's like, I was telling someone, I forget who it was. You know, it, maybe it was Wilson. I don't remember what it was. Oh, I know what it was. I was talking to my father-in-law about, you know, I've told this story on, on here a couple of times. So I'll make this short, but it, I used to hunt the farm a lot. Right. And I used to do a mm-hmm. lot of like habitat work, food plots and stuff like that down there with him and, and, and all that kind of jazz. And, um, at, at some point I just stopped doing it because there was a lot of guys that were hunting down there and I wasn't able to hunt the way I wanted to hunt and, and, and that kind of stuff. And it, what really dawned on me was, it's not that I don't like the camaraderie of hunting camp because I do. I like hanging out with all those dudes, right? But I have a really hard yeah. time hunting with other people during whitetail season because it's just like I get in my shit and I just want to go. You know what I mean? And um, and so that's why for me hunting camp doesn't work because I, I got to be – if I'm going to be with other guys, I got to be with guys who are as obsessed as I am. You know what I mean? Or it doesn't uh-huh. – because I turn into a little bit of a jerk. You know what I mean? Like where I'm quiet. I don't talk a lot. It might seem like a mad or whatever. And I was telling my father-in-law, I was like, I was like, it's nothing against anybody. I was like, when I was in Iowa, I was like, John called me just about every day and said, Hey, why don't you come over and have dinner? You know? And I was like, no, I'm gonna sit in my cabin by myself and be pissed off that I missed that deer. And I'm going to make a plan for tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I was like, so, uh, so what we decided to do was to start to have a Turkey camp. That way I can go down and we can do like a camp. Cause I mean, if I kill a Turkey, great. If I don't, whatever, you know, I don't really care much. Um, you know, but you know, that'll just be a way for me to go down and do and, and do turkey camp. So so I am a hermit. You know what I mean? That's like I'll fully own that. But yeah, there was a point where my truck didn't leave the house for like three weeks. I literally filled up my tank for the first time in like a month last week. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been uh I've been locked down, locked away for for quite some time. But but with that, man, I think we can go ahead and shut this jammer down. Everyone out there, be sure to Make if you're not following Johnny Utah Hunts on Instagram, you should be. If you're not following Johnny Utah Creative uh, or on Instagram, you should be. If you're not following Arrow Wild on <laughs> YouTube, you should be. And if you don't have a bourbon barrel call, damn it, you should you have should. one. Yeah, that's the reason why you didn't kill a turkey this year. <laughs> I know. Well, it's my it's my showpiece, man. It's like I, I, I keep that I know, in, the, I know. in the thing, but uh. Brother, thanks for coming on, dude. I'm I'm super happy for you, man. Like it couldn't happen to a better dude, you know, what you accomplished this spring. You you know, with you know, deer hunting and stuff like that, you know, you've had some tough seasons in the recent past and doing all the right things and sometimes shit just doesn't break your way. And so I was just super happy to see you, you know, set out to accomplish a goal and, and just dude, just crush it. You know what I mean? So I was I was pumped for you from afar. Dude, I appreciate that. That means a lot. It you know, I, I say this like in a very nice way. Um, I don't really care what anybody thinks of me other than the people who I really value their opinion. So uh, hearing that from guys like yourself, that means a lot to me. So 
um, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been wild. It's been rough. I've had, um, uh, definitely last year was not a really, really good year on a lot of different fronts, business, financial hunting. There's just a lot of things coming from different directions. And, and I told, uh, I told my wife, I said, man, I said, I just, I cannot believe how much luck is going my way. And she said, is it luck or is it just things are coming together because of persistence? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm still calling it luck. Um, but, uh, she's like, well, I, I don't think it's luck, you know? I so say she's- either way it's, uh, it's been awesome. So hopefully we can just keep the momentum going and keep having fun with it and keep doing what I'm doing. I, I enjoy working in this sandbox and I don't want to go pick a new one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got the, I've had the chance to spend some time with the, and get to know your wife and she's, she's pretty rad and she's a pretty smart lady. And so I would say she, uh, she probably knows a little something to why, uh, about why you're, uh, why things are turning up Utah these days. And I, and I yeah. would have to say it is the persistence because you work harder than, than any other, any other guy that I know, man, you know, so, and, and that's where it comes from. So, you know, no one's more deserving. So, but I appreciate but with that, that man, appreciate that a bunch, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You bet, man. And I think with that, man, we can go ahead and shut this love fest down. So, uh, thanks everyone yeah. for listening. John, yeah, thanks. All hot steam in here. <laughs> I, I know, man. I, I think I broke a sweat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon, man. You be good. All right. Sounds good. All right, folks. That is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a subscribe there as well. I'll be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered. Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, and Gumleaf USA Boots. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.